0: So last week, um, as uh, Robin mentioned, a team of us went to Gordons Bay, and I preached a preach on, um, it was called the New Command in Gordons Bay, and one of the, one of the things that had come out of it, and one of, one of the scriptures that I'm going to refer to was, um, there's this thing of unity, and Neil also said, like, let's preach a little bit into unity, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that this morning, but it's not going to be the main focus. But ever since I preached that message, God's been like stirring something in me because I've been thinking about it, and I've been thinking about it, and I've been mulling over it kind of like a cow that would chew on its own cud, you know, it would regurgitate it and kind of chew on it and realize how good it really was, like, I'm going to go off my notes, like when you have a good pudding and you have a burp and you're like, oh, it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Told you I'm not sticking to my notes. The text that I preached out of last week was Matthew 22, and it's where the Pharisee wants to test Jesus, and he says, what is the greatest commandment? In Luke, I think it's in Luke 9, there's another version where Jesus asks the Pharisee, but in this, in Matthew 22, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was teaching into a context of, of man-made tradition of Pharisees, of them wanting to please God. And God was wanting to cut through the law, and He was wanting to show that the gospel is something that affects your heart. So my preach this morning, or the teaching, or what I want to convey with our, from my heart is, is called, this walk, being a Christian, is impossible. What Jesus asks of us is literally impossible. It cannot be done. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So the only scripture I'm going to ask Dale to put up this morning comes from John. This is before Jesus is going to the cross, and he's, he's placing massive amounts of emphasis on the things that really matter, that really that you want to leave. I used the example last week. Is if you knew that you were going to die this afternoon, you would only, between now and then, say the things and do the things that were of utmost importance to the people that you love. I would not go out and try and find the best restaurant and have a good steak. It would not even be on my radar. I would be hugging my kids and my wife um, and just making sure that they knew that I loved them. So just before Jesus is going to the cross and he's, he's kind of running out of time, he knows he's going to approach Jerusalem and be crucified, he says, this, my little children, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. Okay, he's going to be crucified. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. And this is what he leaves with them. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. If you take the rest of your life to unpack that one one verse and to understand it and to live it, you'll do very well you will do very well to sit in that place. A new command. Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciple? Pick up your cross and follow me. But this is one of the things that I'm commanding you. It's not optional. It's not something that you can choose to do or choose not to do. You are to love one another. So we think of oh, it, Mark, even the world loves one another. People are in good relationship. The love he's talking about has got no, it, it is so, it's a standard that is so far above our definition of love, we can't even comprehend it. I think it's somewhere else in John. John loves the word love. Is greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for one another. When was the last time you literally sacrificed? all your benefit, all your best for somebody else close to you. It's been a long time. This is impossible. As I have loved you, what's he saying? He's saying, look at me. My name is Jesus. You want to be my disciple? You want to look like me? Look like me. How did I love you? I washed your feet. I served you. And ultimately, I took your burden onto myself, the burden of sin, so that you could have life. I gave up my life for you. And when he says this, he's saying, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. In John 13, before this, when he washes his discipleship, he says, he says um, having loved them, he loved them to the end. Having loved them. So his whole life was an act of love. He loved them all the way to the cross, to the end. This is impossible. It is literally impossible. If we judge ourselves on this, we fall so far shor- short of God's standard. I'm going to throw out another scripture, also from John. John 17. Jesus is now, now this is what he's saying to his disciples, but now he's praying to the Father. And he's, this is his last, these are his last prayers. They're important. Initially, what he does is he prays for his disciples that are in the world. And then in John 17 verse 20, it says, my prayers for not, not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, so now he, now he goes to show you what oneness looks like, what true unity really looks like. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent them. I've given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved them. Impossible. It's literally impossible. The unity, Jesus, if we're going to reflect If we're going to become his disciples, we have to reflect Jesus. We have to love as he loved. And we have to be in unity. His prayer is that we are in unity with one another. So it's not only that we love God, but we love one another so much that our unity looks like the Father and the Son. Has anyone here achieved that? Husbands and wives, you still fall short. Sorry. It's impossible. I'm going to read you another impossible scripture. The scripture says, Therefore, be holy as I am holy. How many of us have achieved the holiness of Jesus? Well, you haven't, because He set apart. He was different. But the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Growing up as a Christian, a lot of these scriptures condemned me more than anything Because I recognize that the standard that Jesus sets to love one another, to be holy, to not look at a woman with lust, to not get angry with your brother, to forgive your enemy. These are standards that Jesus set and said, you will live like this. You will look like this. Why? Because we're called to be his disciples, which means we're going to look like our teacher. We're going to get down and start washing one another's feet. And I recognize in my own life, even now, that this stuff is not fulfilled. I fall so far short of God's standard. It's ridiculous. So where does the hope lie? Today's Pentecost Sunday as was mentioned. I want to I want to make the Holy Spirit look amazing today. I think he's been abused by the church. In terms of one facet of him has been highly elevated, but not the rest. Someone was mentioning in a community the other night, and God just dropped it on my heart quickly. It was like, how many of you encountered the Spirit this week? And people were like, yup, in tongues, and I prayed for someone and they were healed. And I felt like the Lord said to me, but did you repent? That's the first thing that the, the Spirit does. It says, um, the, the Spirit will convict, and I do have this in my notes in terms of, I won't read now, in terms of righteousness and judgment and something else, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And it's like the first work of the Holy Spirit is to draw you to the Father. And he doesn't draw whole people. Jesus said it's not the sick who need a doctor, it's those who are sick. And so, and so when the Spirit comes, the first thing that He does is He convicts you of sin, and He shows you that you need a Savior. But he doesn't stop that because we're not a completed project. I'm not complete. What's the next work of the Holy Spirit? It's to sanctify us, to make us look like Jesus, to remove sin continually, and to make us look more and more like Jesus. When Jesus encounters the Pharisees and and they ask him the question of what is the commandment, Jesus was coming into a place where man was trying their best to um, to attain holiness and wholeness and oneness with God and trying to restore the relationship. The problem is that the law was never given to actually do that. The law was never the fulfillment of that. The law was only pointing to something. If we think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when... Did Adam and Eve, in, in falling short of obedience to God and eating the fruit, did Adam actually go, just now I need to kill a lamb, pure and spotless, and sacrifice it? No. Who introduced forgiveness? God. It says that He clothed them. And then in order to point towards something that would come in the future, He gives us the law. But what we do as men is we try and take something that's... Um, I want to cut forward a bit and go, the oneness, the, the love, and that stuff, it's, it's impossible for you. It's not impossible for God. But what we do is we become like the Pharisees very often, and we go, um, I'm, God's given me a law, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add my own efforts to it. I am going to also work for salvation, not against works. Our salvation, there should be an out- overflow of works. But we don't add our own effort to what He needs to do. And I think that so often we go back, we forget where we've come from, we forget that it was the Holy Spirit who birthed this new life in us, we forget that it's the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us. It's not a work of the flesh. In 1 Peter 1 verse 18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Your journey with God, your walk with Him is spiritual from start to finish. Jesus Redeemed us, he was the propitiation, he paid for our sins. The Holy Spirit draws us. But then how often do we become like the Galatians, where Paul writes in Galatians 3, verse 1, and he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started in the spirit, and then you move back to the law. So what they were doing was they were starting to rely again on man-made things, ticking boxes. How often do we tick boxes? I need to love my neighbor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tick a box. Acts 2 verse 42, another impossible scripture to live out. They devoted to themselves to one another daily, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread. They shared everything they had in common. It's impossible. It's literally impossible. But rebirth spiritually is impossible for you. For God, it's possible and the fulfillment of Scripture for us to love one another, for us to be in perfect unity, is impossible for you. It's not impossible for God. For God, all things are possible. But we need to become people who posture ourselves and don't go, um, I've walked with the Lord for 20 years. I know the Scriptures. The Pharisees knew the Scriptures. They completely missed grace. They said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't desire for you to tick a box of the law. I don't desire for you to be devoted to one another out of your own. I don't desire for you to love one another out of your own. There's got to be something supernatural and spiritual that's birthed in us and that we continually draw from. Those streams of living water, they must come from one source. Because otherwise what we're doing as a church is we're going back to becoming Pharisees. On the outside we look good, but inwardly we're dead. God's call for us in unity and love, only by the Holy Spirit, only by remaining in Jesus. Outside of that, we can't do it. Your best preach doesn't help. Your best prayers don't help. If you're not being led by the Holy Spirit today, you're starting to grow lukewarm. You're starting to move towards being cold. Do not rely on yesterday's mammon. Don't rely on it. Do not rely on the fact that you call yourself a Christian. You can't. Even out of these stones, God is able to raise children of Abraham. Don't rely on that stuff. You've got to be as reliant on the cross and the supernatural work that God wants to do in you today as you were the day when He first called you. He gives us new birth. John 3 encounters Nicodemus. You've got to be born of the water and the Spirit. I'm going to draw to a close very soon. So what happens once you come into this, and you, into this life by the Spirit and you've got to live according to God's standard, which is impossible for us, and we start to like tap into the Spirit? I do want to give you some good news. It says, Praise be to the God and Father, this is in 1 Peter, of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith, supernatural, faith is not something that's of your flesh, it's supernatural, are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Who holds and sustains you? The author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus you cannot hold and sustain yourself. You are held and sustained by your faith, but your faith not in yourself, or not your faith in your faith. Your faith in the one who can sustain you. You believe in the one who can save you. You believe in the one who can sustain you. They're the same person. Okay. But we, can, we must never become reliant on ourselves. Never. Never. We're starting to become religious then. Actually going to end my little teaching there. I've been saved since 1995, 1994, but I've always been in church since I was a little kid. And and the trick of the devil would be that you know the difference between good and evil. The trick of the devil would be um, you can rely on yourself now. You've had enough Jesus input. Jesus has done his work, and now you can just go with the things that you do. But it's the traditions of man that nullify the power of God. And so, and so we, we, we can come into a place, we can walk into church this morning and come into a place where we know, I know what I'm going to preach on, I know how I'm going to worship, I know the way I'm going to lift my hands and where I'm going to lift my hands in the song. None of that stuff is bad, but you're starting to rely on things that you've learned. The Israelites, when they were in the desert, they knew where they were going to because God had spoken it over them and they knew um, the land that was promised to their forefathers. However, they were still called to follow a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. To get to the promised land, to get to where God wants to take us, we have to be following the Holy Spirit. Every single day. It's impossible. My my greatest attempts as a a Christian, my greatest attempts in myself, are going to fall short. We're going to one day hold up our good works, our Christian works, or we can present them to our Father, and the Bible says He looks at them as dung. Because everything that's not done in Him is dung, even if it's good stuff. It's burned. But everything done in Him will earn us an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. So when I wake up in the morning, what's the call? I don't get out and go, I'm a Christian, I know what to do. I get on my knees and I posture myself and say, Lord, only you are holy. Make me holy. Impart it to me again. Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do. Give me your Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we've become presumptuous. We've lost the reverence of this king. We have become the ones who say, I know what to do. I will eat that apple. I will make my own decisions. Danger. Super dangerous. And when we yielded to the Spirit, when we yielded to Him, when we, found, when we, when we be, are found in Jesus and the Holy Spirit indwells us, these things will naturally flow over. You don't have to try anymore. So this message is for me because I realize I fall far short of that. But I'm not going to go and start ticking boxes to love you guys. I'm going to make more of an effort to be found in him. So I did feel like this is not, there's a couple of different ways that we could respond to this kind of thing, but I think if there's a stirring in your heart. If there's just a realizing of at some point in time, I've kind of closed the door to the Lord's work and I, I kind of figured out I'll work, I'll work through my own salvation with fear and trembling. I'll, I'll work it in myself, you know, I'll just, I'll keep going. And we've kind of like stopped Listening to His voice, spending the time, sacrificing, walk, running into the holy of holies. I shared a, a picture. I shared a picture last week that the Lord gave me in worship in Gordon's Bay, of um, of a beggar. I think sometimes we should learn from them. You know that you can. Uh, if I put on a certain kind of clothes and I stood at a robot, and I put my hands out like this, do you know that someone eventually would throw money? why? My posture. I'm looking to receive. I'm a beggar. So, at some point, somebody's going to have mercy on me and throw money into my hand. It's not deserved. The beggar doesn't work. He just goes, I'm desperate. I need to receive. So, I'm going to posture myself in a place. You might have been saved for 20 years. You're still a beggar. When you come into the Lord's presence, come in as a beggar. Come in on your hands and knees and go, I'm unworthy. Because you're still unworthy, even though He makes you worthy, but let Him say it. Don't come into His presence and go, I'm worthy, I'm a child of God, I'm an elder. Hello, hello, I'm a deacon, I'm coming here, I've served you, Lord, the whole week. You've missed it. Come into His presence as a servant, needy. God, without you, I could fall away. It's Your grace that sustains me, not my good works, not my discipline. Let Him work that stuff into you, and let Him elevate you to being a son. Don't aim for unity. Don't aim to be one for the sake of unity. Let Him work it in you. When you push into Him, you can't stop becoming like Him. It's impossible. It's impossible. Come into His presence. Get filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit is so readily available. He's so readily available. More than you know. We think that falling on the ground and that's the sign of the Spirit. No. It's one-off. It's one-off. But it isn't the only sign. Jesus said, I go so that he can come. It's better that I go. Did Jesus not want to interact with people? That's why he ran to the Father? No. He said, when I leave, I will send you one just like me. He's so available. All that we have to do is ask. So if we're lacking, walking in the Spirit this morning, all that you do is you go, Father, give me your Holy Spirit, and He'll give it. And then the Holy Spirit will do the things. He'll create the unity. He'll create the repentance. He'll create the love for one another. He'll create the sacrifice and the serving. Because the Holy Spirit's work is to make us look like Jesus and to love like Jesus. So without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. So, here's what I wrote down for a response. If there's anything in you, the heavy feet that Neil mentioned, you've started to walk with the law tied around your feet. You've started to feel like there's something that you need to do to add to your salvation. I'm not talking about works that flow out of salvation. I'm talking about you feel like you need to beat yourself like like the cross wasn't enough. I must self-flog myself for righteousness. That's, that's the heavy feat that Neil was talking about. You've strapped the law on. I need to, I need to, I need to. Yes, those who are under the law come actually live under a curse. But we call to live under those, the new law, covenant of freedom. Okay, so if you find yourself walking with those things, Neil mentioned it, no one came forward. I want to say like many of us have got those boots on your, your your walk of salvation is not free anymore it's kind of like burdensome it's like oh it's so difficult it's not meant to be burdensome my yoke is easy my burden is light that's what jesus said you've lost being in jesus and you've lost relying on the holy spirit number two is you started in the spirit but you ended in the flesh like the galatians you were born in the spirit you repented you had a rare very real touch But for some reason, once again, your walk feels very labored. You've moved towards flesh. Or you feel like you need to do stuff. The the thoughts that will go through your mind is, I need to go to church. Not that it's bad. I need to tithe. I need to love people. I need to read my Bible. You've lost Him. You're doing works for His favor instead of having Him and He produces the works in you. Number three is the... um, I feel like some, for some people, when we walk a long time, we kind of get like the Pharisees where we've got our long phylacteries and tassels, and it's kind of like, look at me, I'm a man of God. And, we, and actually, we need to just, I feel like the response for those people is to actually just start praising God. Lord, the fact that I'm still serving you is your grace and your mercy. It's not my works whatsoever. The Lord, it's the Lord who keeps. I can't keep myself. I'm prone to fall in left, right, and center every day of the week. But maybe I'm just not seeing that anymore, and I'm not coming into His presence and saying, thank you, Lord, so much that you've sustained me after all these years. I'm just flesh. And if none of those apply to you, and you're walking in the Holy Spirit, your response is to lift up the arms of those who do want to walk in the Holy Spirit. Same thing we did earlier. So that's what I want to share this morning. It's not a great teaching. And the reason why I started and I said it's impossible is is I want a wake-up call, a wake-up call. We're not playing church. We're not playing religion. There's too many religions in this world. We're the only one where God says, I will place a deposit in you, my own spirit. he doesn't do that so that we can feel tingles he does that so that we can start to look and walk like jesus where these scriptures start to just fall in line that's it that's why he went that's why the spirit was poured out for the glory of god is this good is it okay can we get the worship team up so this is not a preach so we're not going back into worship What we're going to actually do is have a time with you and the Lord. It's you and the Lord. And that might be coming up in worship. Might be praying for someone. But if it's not from the heart, if there's no repentance, if there's no moving back, if there's no recognition of, I can't do this thing, then don't do it. Like, we've got to be 100% reliant. He's the author and perfecter. He's the beginning and the end of time and our salvation. And if you're walking somewhere in that sanctifying process or in the middle and you've lost him, it's a good time to come back and say, Lord, I'm 100% reliant on you, the same as day one. There's one other group that I want to say, and we'll always do this, because Christianity is not a religion, and it's not... It's not putting up your hand. Christianity, being a Christian, is a process. It starts and you walk and it finishes the day you meet Jesus. But you might never have started that process before. You might never have put your faith. You might have been religious. You might have gone to church. But once again, it's, that's not a process of the Spirit. That's a process of the flesh. I'm going to do to gain holiness with the Lord. It's, it's impossible. This morning, the Spirit is holding out... The gospel and he's saying, You will always fall short. You will always fall short. But Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. He satisfied God completely in every way. But we need to trust him because being in right relationship with God and being saved is a work of the spirit. It's a work, it's a supernatural work. It's not just putting up your hand. But I do want to make an offer. If there's someone here this morning who has never been saved, who's never said, Jesus, I recognize that this is a supernatural work and that you're wanting to do it in me. I want to repent. I want to turn to you and I want to trust in your work. If there's anyone like that, can I ask you just to be bold and to come to the front? And we're going to pray for you and we're going to rejoice with you. If there's anyone like that. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. If your heart's not stirring, we're not going to force anything. Okay, it's a work of the Spirit so yeah let's let's respond let's each respond it's not i'm not asking you to respond for my sake for neil's sake for your your wife's sake or anyone else's sake you must respond to the lord in the way that the lord leads you i would i'm even now hesitant to go come to the front because i'm going to be i'm going to be telling you what to do you're not going to be responding to the lord you're going to be responding to my voice and my command Respond to the Lord as he leads you.